Welcome to Force Points to the Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Erica Pierce to explore the latest in government cybersecurity news and trending topics. Always covered in 15 minutes or less. Now, let's get to the point. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to episode 18 of the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast. I'm your host, Erica Pierce, and joined every week by Eric Trexler. How are you, Eric? Doing well, Erica. It's cold outside. It is. It's very cold. It's beyond cold right now. So, <laughs> well, hopefully we'll have a good, a good episode here to warm everybody up. And so this week we have a guest um, who is uh, definitely interesting in terms of um, her background. We have Dr. Kular, who is a research scientist in the uh, Force Point Innovation Lab and who holds a PhD in computer vision from the Florida Institute of Technology. Welcome, Dr. Kular, to the podcast. Thank you so much, Erica. So, Dr. Kular, I know we're going to talk this um, this week about machine learning and how that intersects with trust. And trust has been an area, actually, we've spent a great deal of time talking about in previous um, podcast episodes. But first, just out of curiosity, can you tell our listeners as well as myself, Eric, you may already know this, but what is um, computer vision and how does that intersect with um, with cybersecurity or how did th- how did you get into that space? I've been looking at computers since the early 80s, so I've got computer vision. (laughs) (laughs) That's one way to look at it. So computer vision is like a very broad area or field of research. So I was more concentrated towards images and videos. So recognizing like uh, what's happening in a video. So let's take an example of... um, traffic at a four-way intersection. So my PhD was based on identifying the patterns which are occurring in that particular area. Then once the patterns was recognized, then identifying in which sequence that patterns are taking place. So it basically defines how the traffic is flowing at a traffic uh, intersection. So this is helpful if you want to identify accidents or somebody's running the red lights and all this stuff. So that's what computer vision for me at that time was. So really, as we look at machine learning, it, a lot of this is about patterning. And when we take it to human behavior in within computers or within an enterprise, you're mm-hmm. really taking your, your PhD research from the vision side and looking for patterns. And when do people or, or tasks or processes step outside of norms, pattern norms? Yes, and multiple other stuff. So like my PhD was identifying the patterns, but it was in like in the form of motion. So what I did, instead of considering the velocity or the speed, I started considering words so that I can find patterns in the text and we can use that for classification purposes. So for example, website classification. So if we have categories like shopping, we have categories like business, then entertainment, so on and so forth. So each and every category has different set of words which are more prominent in that. So I use my method to identify pattern for each and every category. So in future, if you provide me with a new website, it can easily uh, like map uh, with which category it matches the most. 
that's what I like gotcha. converted. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, and let's well, let's let's talk a little bit more about the machine learning aspect of it um, because that's been something that we're hearing a, a lot about, especially in the areas of, of cybersecurity. And I know that government, in particular, as well as organ other organizations, they are looking at how uh, machine learning as well as AI, artificial intelligence, can be leveraged. But what I think is interesting, Dr. Kular, um, you've written about, is how, how is uh, machine learning trusted in terms of um, how security analysts trust it? Should government trust it? What are, what are your thoughts there? I mean, you have a great blog uh, that we'll link in our show notes that you wrote about um, can security analysts trust machine learning powered by analytics? So what, what, is, what is your answer? And I'm curious to hear your, your answer as well, Eric. Um, so like uh, when I was um, working through this uh, uh, UEBA product, so every time I heard like risk scores and everybody was like, uh, can I trust those risk scores? So what's the problem with the risk score or the technology behind that? So mostly nowadays, like machine learning algorithms, like anomaly detection, proximity, stuff like this, or classification algorithm, they are used to come up with some sort of a risk score or risk level for user, right, based on what sort of activities that they are performing. So if we cannot, uh, like, trust our machine learning algorithm, so whatever we produce, it's not going to be trusted because we don't know much about machine learning. So first of all, we have to build a trust in machine learning algorithms. They are doing a good job. They are being successful at so many uh, like areas, you know, but, you know, with the bad, uh, but there are so many other cases where you see machine learning has screwed up so many things. Like when you do some sort of a Google search on gorillas and they were showing people with a darker skin tone, then a self-driving car ran through a red light and uh, a pedestrian was killed. So all this kind of like articles or the facts create negative publicity and uh, not enough knowledge about machine learning algorithm, how they work, that creates another barrier of like trusting the machine learning algorithm. So we have to overcome that barrier. So my thought was like, how can we overcome those barriers? Because machine learning is really like helpful in a long run. So I suggested if we provide humans some sort of a control over the output, that might change a little uh, the the prospect towards risk scores from machine learning uh, might change because there was an article I read about algorithm aversion. They said if the algorithm is performing like 85 to 90 percent and there are st still some error, but human is has control over the final output. User will use the algorithm to perform the task. Along with that, the control to human, if we provide context with each and every output, so let's say if a user is uh, scored at 90% of a 90% chances, this is this user is a, uh, you know, a masquerader. So with that 90 score, if we provide context like, you know, user is downloading lots of data, user is downloading data at unusual hours, user is... Uh, logging in from re remote location. So everything unusual is listed with the output will give more context and it will help to say, okay, this score makes sense. So, 
Along with that, we can add investigation side to it. We can add like more uh, privacy consideration to it. That will help to build the trust between the scores, the levels produced by machine learning algorithms about uh, activity or a user. That, that's what I think. Erica, I've always looked at machine learning as a as a um, an additive capability to security teams. Mm-hmm. Right? So an- analysts can only do so much as humans and only so fast. There are certain activities that are are just machine tailored for machine learning, artificial intelligence, the algorithms, call it what you will. And then there are others that aren't. And you do still require human intervention to say, I trust this algorithm, right? Because adversaries can trick machine learning. Mm-hmm. Right. They can trick artificial intelligence. My, my old CIO, uh, CTO used to talk about weather and machine learning, right? And he would, he would speak about, we can, we, we've got some pretty good models that can predict hurricanes, where they will go, the track of a hurricane, where they will land with, with a pretty high degree of certainty. Why? Because the model's been tuned and it works pretty well. We are still horrible at predicting when and where an earthquake will hit, though. Mm-hmm. I, the models just aren't there. And I, I think the same applies in, in cybersecurity. For certain models, for certain activities, machine learning can be extremely beneficial. An analyst can't look at 100,000 events in an hour, but a machine can, and it can get down to 500 of interest or whatever the model allows. But there are also certain activities where you just have to have a human or you can't predict it. And I think knowing the limitation of the of the modeling of the of the algorithms is probably one of the key components. Dr. Kalar, I don't know if you agree or disagree with that. Yeah, no, that 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 is important. And along with that, like uh, the data that we use to train our models on, that plays a huge role too. So if our data is garbage, then you know, no matter what algorithms mm-hmm. or what rules you apply on it, it's never going to produce a good result. So we have to start with a good foundation, and that good foundation is data. So once you understand the data, then like select which algorithm works best for that kind of data. Well, and that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think especially in areas where there's so many um, there's so many sensitivities and, and just, you know, the threats are still high. Having still that level of machine of human intervention, I'm sorry, um, is, is still very, very important. I mean, I think it's 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 the complementary. It's the emergence of the of the two. And, um, you know, I, I think that's where it seems like a lot of organizations are going, um, especially in terms of how they um, are adding more innovation to cybersecurity, but also wanting to make sure they still have the, the right uh, safeguards and controls in place. Definitely, yeah, yeah. And especially like when you are trying to program or learn from human to control them to you know, avoid doing something really stupid, and humans, they are still unpredictable. If you don't put human in the loop mm-hmm. when you are using machine learning algorithms, you know, it's not going to give you best outputs. Yeah. It's also job security, right, for the analysts. So. We have Definitely. plenty of jobs and not enough analysts. Yeah. We don't have a problem there. Right, Dr. Right. Kalar, it's 2019 now. Mm-hmm. 2025, 2029, look into the future, your crystal ball. You, uh-huh. You've got the PhD. Between Eric and I, we might be able to scrape together almost as <laughs> <laughs> but where do you see this world going, machine learning, 
artificial and intelligence? The, I mean, what, what's the art of the possible? So, like, uh, so uh, just a few days back, I read an article. So, uh, I think it was published in MIT a tech review or something like that. So there they did some sort of a research. So they downloaded 16,000 uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning related research papers. So they mentioned in like um, a 50s, 60s, there was a, a more of a neural network was used than something in 70s, then comes uh, in 18, knowledge-based systems were used. Then in 90, it was Bayesian network. In uh, 20, it was a um, uh, support vector machine. And in 2010, again, the neural networks came back. So we're the back same, to neural networks uh, 20 plus years later. Exactly. And now we are getting like from past few years, uh, we are uh, like more interested in reinforcement learning. So it it just says we might, you know, get back to something old or I don't know, something will flip and we might come up with something new. So for our listeners, and I know Erica knows exactly what you're talking about, as do I, <laughs> define what we mean by neural networks, please. So neural network, it's it's very simple, right? Neural network is like, uh, in a very basic term, is like you are feeding something into a box and that box uh, automatically decide what features are good and bad and they use that feature and give you some sort of output. That output can be a classification or recognition stuff, uh, sort of a stuff. So that's the basic thing about it. Everything is magic. Why did we leave then and why are we back? That's, that's a good question. <laughs> I need to read more about it, but it was fascinating. Like we have the neural network, but it wasn't good enough at that time. So we came back to neural network and which gave us very good results, you know, with the text, with the speech and everything. And now we are getting into reinforcement, basically like how we human work here, uh, like, you know, if some, the output is not right, we right away say, oh, this is not good. If output is good, then we say, okay, go ahead. So, you know, now we are doing enforcement learning and also like active learning. Okay. Okay. So in, in the article you wrote, you talk about Distrust can be caused when why and what reasoning is missing around questions such as why have algorithms labeled me as a risky user? What does the output mean? What is the reasoning behind the findings? Does that yeah. mean there's a role for humans in, in the foreseeable future? The machines aren't um, going to take over. We, we need some level of logic, human logic, and put it into the calculations. So like human is really important, right? From the training to tuning to testing everywhere, you need human. So humans are, they should not go away, right? If you are just saying like, we don't need human for these algorithms, the output is like 100%, uh, I, I don't believe it. So we definitely need human to just make our system like better and better every day. Because like, you know, uh, we are providing machines with, whatever the limited knowledge we have, right? But activities that we perform, human perform, the way we speak, it, it's so dynamic, it keeps on changing. Machines can perform like whatever you have 
teach it, teach them or whatever the data you have fed into the machine. That's it. It does not have its own logic. So you need human for that logic. And that's a cool like, idea. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, unless like artificial, artificial intelligence become reality. Well, and that was actually my question. Do you think, you know, taking um, an industry or area like cybersecurity, setting that aside, but in other places, do you see in the future um, us getting to, you know, a, a place where it is 100% machine learning or, or AI intervention? I always uh, use the reference to the show Black Mirror because they have such great examples of what the future may look like in terms of AI and, and machine learning. And so I oftentimes wonder how far we are away from where, you know, the machines are making so many of our everyday decisions um, and with very limited human intervention. So this, what, this is what I can say for certain. It's not going to go anywhere. We are so dependent on, uh, you know, a machine learning, artificial intelligence, all the technologies, you know, when we are typing a text, it suggests us what the next word can be. And sometimes we just rely on it. So it's not going to go anywhere. But yes, it will get better and better. So maybe by 2050, we will have something better. Well, only Erica, I, I, time will tell. <laughs> I almost equate it to robotics, right? If yeah. you look at like manufacturing line or something, we still have a huge role for humans in designing them, programming, coding them, operating them, fixing them, repairing them. But they do remove some of that manual tasking, manual labor from the process. So as we look at our typical customer, government or commercial, it really shouldn't matter. There are a lot of very mundane tasks that a cyber analyst has to go through in pursuit of the bad, right? In pursuit right. of what's happening in the business. Anything Definitely. we can automate is a good thing because there's just way, way too much work. Exactly. And the amount of data we are producing nowadays in the forms of like documents in the form of spreadsheet is just enormous. And if we can analyze and find pattern in those work, in those document, in those spreadsheet, it can give us like insight to so many things like, for example, Target. So I don't know whether you guys know this example or not. So a Target, a few years back, uh, they started uh, learning a customer's habit. So uh, when they were learning the customer habit, they realized pregnant women in their second trimester, they uh, tend to buy certain like lotions with certain scents in it. So after learning it and after seeing over and over again, like, that's true. They started sending uh, coupons to, uh, you know, pregnant ladies who are in their second trimesters or who are pregnant. So they sent it to one family and uh, to basically a teenager. And the father of that teenager went to Target and he was yelling at the manager, like, what exactly you are trying to say? You are encouraging my daughter to get pregnant. Oh, my goodness. So, so after a few days, like, the father of the teenager, he called the manager and said, sorry. He said she she was pregnant. She was just, you know, the uh, they were hiding that fact from him. So, you know, there is a... Wow. All from the lotion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So what you're saying, though, is the models can really work. And even if in this case, if it hadn't worked, it works most of the time. 
and, and once in a while we need human intervention to say, why, what? Exactly, exactly. And especially like, you know, when it comes to assigning a risk to somebody, at that time you need to say why. Because, you know, if I take away your access to your computer, I lock you out and you will be like, why are you like blocking me? You need the answer to that why to justify or to justify why you are being blocked. So I think that why is very important. I think why is very important in life. It's one of the most. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Why I'm eating more. Yes, that's true. So Erica is, I I think we can't hear you, Erica. Um, I think she's saying check your target coupons more more, uh, carefully from here on out, though. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) You can learn a lot, apparently. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Dr. Kular. This was insightful uh, on a number of areas. I think we've learned quite a bit. So um, really appreciate all of your uh, expertise in this area. And I think it'll be interesting to see where it goes, both um, in you know government as well as other organizations, in terms of how um, how they leverage and uh, AI and machine learning with human intervention going forward. So thank you so much for being on the episode today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Until next week, Erica. Yes, until next week. Thanks so much, everyone. Uh, We appreciate you listening. And please do continue to give us ratings in the uh, uh, iTunes store and let us know if there's topics that you'd like us to cover. Until next week, thank you for listening to To The Point. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or the Google Play Store 